The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. You want to buy a death stick? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and listen to the Dark Times podcast? I want to go home and listen to the Dark Times podcast. Sam, we're back. <laughs> we're back, baby. We're back for the new year. Though happy we're, new we're, year. We're happy new year, Sam. We're pretending it's the new year because we're recording this on December 27th. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we're one year closer to the Battle of Yavin. We are one year closer to the <laughs> Battle of Yavin. Also, it's the 20th, not the 27th. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Way to go. Way to How, go. How's your week gone, Sam? Yeah, it's good. I feel like I haven't seen you since yesterday. I, I also feel like I have not seen you for about 24 hours. Yeah, well, we're doing pretty well here yeah. on the show. Um, we're not losing steam first steps of the new year, that's for sure. Let's no, fucking jump into this it. Is gonna be, this is going to be the, the year of the Dark Times pod, baby. Yes. They're going to be yes. calling it. <laughs> yes, the year, a year of Dark Times podcast. I'm excited. <laughs> I am. Um, let's jump into... Uh, we got another follow-up email. We got from, a follow-up email from our friend Grogu. From probably our favorite listener, Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you aren't small, green, and adorable, and a, a, a traditional prop puppet, then... Um, and sometimes a little bit of a freak. A little bit of a freak. If you don't vomit blue, never mind. <laughs> Baby Yoda's email. Uh, I, I don't think he's heard our, our previous, as no. of yet, unreleased episode yet, so he'll he'll... He'll get on. He'll be happy to know that we tackled all of his stuff in his first episode. In yeah. The, in the first uh, episode that we mentioned him. Yeah. Second episode we mentioned him. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. He'll be in the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Greetings unto you, wise, wise masters of the force. Good content you do make. Thank you, Baby Yoda. Grateful for your teachings on what powers to learn I am. Powerful enlightened is. Kidnapped by a thug I was. Slaying a dragon with Mando I was, then stolen I was. Mando, his jetpack gave up to save me, then the fool he dispatched by turning the jetpack on. What rules was Mando using? Tell me how to get food you could not. Still answer that, you should. Again, see our last episode, I'd like to think we, we did a great job. We did a really good food. job. Hungry I was, as listened to your podcast I did. Needed to eat frog ladies' eggs I did. Gain dark side points for this, will I? So, so I think the little guy's asking us two questions here, Sam. Yeah. Um, what sort of re- what sort of tool or rules could we use to to get a, a remote activation of a jetpack in game? Mm-hmm. And does he deserve a dark side point for eating the frog lady's eggs? We talked about this a little bit earlier. We talked a little bit about it off show and because you, debating initially... ethics is, is you know requires a little bit of so, thought. So, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, if it's just an egg, if they're just eggs. They're unfertilized eggs, first of all. If they're unfertilized eggs, that's one thing. But also, they are all the eggs she has left for the for like her line, like her yeah, line. Yeah, I don't remember the specifics of the episode, but I'm pretty sure the implication, or even it might have been stated, that this was like these eggs had to get fertilized, or like this species, <laughs> or even this particular clan of frog people were facing like complete obliteration. Well, it doesn't help when your eggs cannot survive a single hyperspace jump. You know, that's probably how they got into this predicament <laughs> in the first place in a galaxy that relies on hyperspace. Just evolve travel. better, idiot. <laughs> Imagine if like 
you couldn't take eggs home from the grocery store if you used like a car. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot like of internal eggs combustion home. engines ruined eggs. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't eat eggs anymore. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh man. So uh, you started with the eggs, so we'll we'll finish up that question. Do you think Grogu deserved a dark side point for eating those eggs? A dark side point for each egg eaten or the act of, of eating them at all? So I don't think he was doing it maliciously. I don't think so either. He is a baby. <laughs> he is. Well, he's a 50 year old baby. That's true. And, and honestly, like how? I don't know how he has 50 years of life experience. Yeah. But he's clearly like a like a child. Yeah. Although Ahsoka is able to communicate with him Mentally, telepathically. telepathically yeah. And he appears to have some level of awareness of what's going on around him that uh, a level of awareness so i think kind of betrayed maybe <laughs> i mean he, he had to know what he was doing was not encouraged right i mean mando was like no every time he understands i assume he understands basic yeah right like so it'd be weird if he didn't maybe his carnal impulses were stronger <laughs> than his understanding that what he was doing was wrong <laughs> Just a guess. Um, <laughs> I would probably give Grogu a dark side point for just the whole endeavor. The whole endeavor. The whole, whole like he he got he got he ate like what six of them? A lot. He ate maybe. Well, maybe, think about maybe this, two. Steven. Think about this for Grogu species. We only have two other examples. There's Yaddle and Yoda. And Yoda. <laughs> oh yeah, Yaddle. <laughs> Yoda is especially known for just being a little freak. Being like, so it could be just such a natural part of his species. This is true. And we're putting. You know. You know what, Stephen? We're racists. For judging, don't laugh. <laughs> We're racist for judging Baby Yoda to our human standards of living and, and uh, morality. You know that's fine. That that's fine. But it's he was okay so to be racist. No, no, no. It, it's fine that he has as a different species. We maybe not be able to connect or comprehend his like idea cognition of okay. and what's okay. <laughs> But he was surrounded by people who very much were asking him to not do that, and he kept doing it. Oh, but he's so cute. He, he's adorable. I would let him eat anything in my fridge. A little stinker. Exactly. A little fucking stinky stinker. Are you going to give a dark side point to a little stinker? Are you? If next time your DM ask, uh, tries to give you a dark side point, just be like, I'm a little guy. Yeah, I'm just a little stinker, and it's my birthday. It's like, my birthday. I'm a little guy. Yeah. Can you give me a dark side point on my birthday? Guaranteed, it's in the coral book. If no you say that to your game master, your you don't have to. You, if you say you're a little guy, a little stinker, and it's your birthday, your game master can't give you dark side I points. I think it's errata. That that, was, that, really, oh, it was errata. That's right. Rodney it Thompson. printed in the core rule book, yeah, but yeah, they yeah. talked about it later on. They said, go back and erase the part where it says this and replace it with saying you're a little stinker. You know, we, we get shit wrong regularly, you know, every, a little bit here yeah. and there, just because it's hard to think of this stuff up as as we're recording. We got our yeah. computers in front of us, but even mm -hmm. then, it's it's easy to escape that. I just think we should start purposefully putting out misinformation <laughs> about Star Wars Star Wars No, we can't do that. Yeah, like, no, actually, But it has to be something that's, like, crazy, like, obviously. Yeah, like, like in the core rulebook, you can, you don't have to roll a die. You can just tell your game master the number, and he has to accept it. <laughs> like, yeah, I rolled a 17. You're like, but you didn't roll a die. I don't have to. It doesn't say in the core rulebook that I have to roll a die. There's a errata for the core rulebook that takes, that turns it into a non-D20 role-playing game. They took the... <laughs> They eroded the, the the D twenty out of Saga Edition. God, we got updates some wiki pages. It's so funny. I feel like there's some there's some commentary on like rule lawyering in here somewhere, but I, I don't know where it is. I'm not smart enough to make commentary. So right. the jetpack, the jetpack, the remote activation of the jetpack. 
There is literally, um, it's literally an upgrade called remote activation. Yeah, I didn't, th- I didn't hear about this before today. I didn't think this was a thing before I read this email. Well, it's great. And I just searched, I searched remote activation on the Saga Edition Wikia, and guess what? It's a, it's a universal upgrade. It's so good. Um, I want to read the item. Go for it. Cool. Remote activation from uh, Star Wars Saga Edition Scum and Villainy. I know everyone knows that's where the, the cool kit upgrades come from. It's a universal upgrade. That means you can put it on any type of equipment. We're not talking blasters and lightsabers here. We're talking data pads, anything. Droids. That, droids. Yeah, that's right. Droids. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Maybe vehicles. Even. I would yeah. I would let it be on a vehicle. I mean, I well, would. So that, that's, that's iffy because there's already the. Yeah, there's a slave circuit. There's the slave circuit for vehicles. But if a player wanted to, like, have, like, you know, people with their Teslas, they, like, turn it on remotely. However, I, there's I would also a droid that. caller. Um, there's C-A-L-L-E-R the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but it does say on, go ahead and read it Sorry. yeah it, uh, we'll just we'll just read it costs 100 credits zero upgrade point cost that's pretty good and then it's a common upgrade uh, this upgrade allows a piece of equipment to be activated with a signal from a comlink or similar communications device although typically associated with explosives or security systems remote activation can be used to set a droid to activate a fusion lantern to flare to life a computer to start running a program or a holo projector to begin recording a recorded holo projection. Say that five times fast. Activating a remote <laughs> is a swift action, which includes entering the special command code, allowing a single comlink to activate multiple pieces of remote activation gear, one swift action per item activated. The range of remote activation is determined by the comlink or other communications device used. Any comlink can be used to activate the gear, sending a signal with a specific code along a specific frequency. A character aware of a piece of remotely activated gear can find the necessary frequency and activation code with a DC-30 use computer check. So, pretty great. I, I struggle to think of things you couldn't use this with. You have to be aware of it? Of the remo- of it being remote activated? So would that be like a stealth to hide it? or to? Do you mean a character aware of a piece of remotely activated gear? Yes. So if they're yeah. not aware. So if they're not aware of it. Then they won't even be able to do yeah. it. They Say you it. remote activate your land speeder so it's warm and ready for you when, when you, you uh, the heist is over and you're <laughs> rushing out with a bag full of credit chips. Yeah, maybe like with a absolutely. big dollar sign on the front. It'll... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you okay. remote activate your speeder for a quick getaway. It's warm. It's ready to go when you get there. If the the um corset guard didn't see the speeder activate remotely then there's no way he could know that it was activated remotely that is interesting right? because yeah. so isn't ve- aren't vehicles a standard action to oh maybe it's a swift action yeah uh, it's it's a swift action to activate an item it's a swift action allows you to activate an item starting a vehicle turning on a computer lighting a fusion lantern are all examples of activating an item and I think it's a move action to enter a vehicle. Okay. I don't know the source for that, but I'm like really sure okay. of it. Yeah. I also couldn't really imagine what else it would be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not wouldn't I don't imagine it be a standard action. That's for no, sure. and it's probably definitely not a swift action. So yeah, move action. It's that nice middle ground there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I absolutely believe this is what uh, Mando would have on his jetpack to hand it to some doofus and be like, here, hold this. Absolutely. <laughs> Beep. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't he just let go? I don't know. <laughs> wasn't he like wearing it? No, he was just holding it in his hands. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I got it. Well, I guess the shock of the moment, you know, you'd like cling to whatever you had. It was a I full mean, like Beskar uh, jetpack, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I guess if the shock of just being flung in the air like that, you probably aren't thinking like, oh, I should let go and fall. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. No, I would keep holding on to it. <laughs> so 
Grogu, I hope that answers both your questions. Uh, keep writing in, buddy. We we love hearing from yeah. you, and that that goes for everyone. Um, we've got another email here, and and again, folks, we have quite the backlog, so so please do not feel bad. We will get to everyone, I hope. <laughs> but that doesn't mean stop sending us emails. <laughs> that doesn't mean stop sending us email. Please reach out anything you have. Um, we 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 shift the pile around depending on what we think will work for an episode or, or stuff like that. So we got an email from Inspector Deck. It says, "Dark Times Podcast." Would you consider covering Starship Encounters in your podcast, both combat and non-combat? As a GM, I always struggle to make Starship Encounters interesting and different from each other. Are there any examples of fun non-combat encounters? Another topic that would be cool if you could covered is random encounter tables. I know they are not everyone's cup of tea, but as someone who grew up playing 3rd edition D&D, I find them really useful tools. But I've never tried using them in Star Wars. Good work on the podcast. Thank you, Inspector Deck. You know, Inspector Deck, I, um... Do you mind if I call you Deck? Yeah, can I call you Deck? Um, Mr. Deck. Um, Deckard. Mr. Deck was my father. <laughs> Please call me Inspector. Call me Inspector. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Inspector Deck. I love that you wrote in because you mentioned that these things are not everyone's cup of tea. That is very much correct. They are very much my cup of tea. However, uh, yeah. when I open up my tea cabinet at home, you know you got all those teas in there. It says Starship Encounters, <laughs> Non-Combat Encounters, and Random Encounters. Chamomile. Yeah, and chamomile. English breakfast. Yeah, and uh, I don't like English. I like green tea over English breakfast, I think. Um, anyway, this isn't the tea podcast. This is the, this is the Dark Times Swissy podcast. podcast. This is the Swissy podcast. So, to answer your first question about Starship Encounters, I wanted to point you to two different things. One of them is actual official material. Of course, because I, I probably can't do a better job than the geniuses that wrote Starships of the Galaxy. Um, yeah, that book's about Starship Encounters. Yeah, it's, even, it's in the title, you know. Um, there's a whole section of that book, a whole, like, big chapter. It's maybe, gosh, it's got to be, like, a few dozen pages at least just about Starship Encounters. Because it's not... We've talked about it a little bit before. It's not always obvious exactly what should go into an encounter, especially like a space encounter. Oh, yeah. Jesus, it's such a different like. They're different animals compared to normal encounters. You have dog fights and capital ships and stuff like that. Yeah. Just... And, and maybe a lot of people will tell you that like, oh, don't overthink starship encounters because it's just character combat, but in space. And that very much is true. But I think you have to have a lot of things in mind to make like an effective and memorable space encounter. Because mm -hmm. if you follow some of the same guidelines, you might have in your subconscious for a, a ground character combat scenario, you might end up with kind of a bland and empty and not terribly interesting or, and worst case, not terribly distinct encounter from a, a ground combat. Like you might make a space combat and then wonder why the hell wasn't I, why, why the hell didn't I just keep it simple and, and make that a, a ground encounter when it, yeah. it could have been. Um, so definitely take a look at starships of the galaxy, the starship adventures, the basics touch on very much what we're going to talk about here in a, in a little bit that, you know, n total annihilation of your enemies isn't always a great fit for a starship encounter, even though that's where your mind might go first. Every time we see starship encounters in the Star Wars movies, there's almost always some other objective. It's not Red Squadron, destroy all TIE fighters. It's, you know, Red Squadron, get in that fucking trench and blow up the Death Star. It's Widower Squadron, yeah. check in. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to make these bastards. <laughs> or like I, my favorite Starship encounter that we actually only get like a couple glimpses of in the movies is the Escape from Echo Base, where those X-Wings go up with the escaping, uh, what are they, GR-75 medium transports uh, with the ion cannon as cover. like. 
defending a target is, I think, uh, already a much more interesting place to start. Or if you're looking at Revenge of the Sith, maybe uh, reaching a target. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, route the enemy. We're not trying to just fucking do that shit. It can be you and your Jedi Master uh, fe fellow NP uh, fellow PC have to get to the droid capital ship and destroy it or something like that. Yeah. Or force the general to surrender. Yeah, another example from, from Empire as well. And, you know, obviously the, the Falcon could not stand against a Star Destroyer, not in a million years. But finding a hiding place inside a giant space worm, mind you, yeah. is infinitely more interesting than draining the, what, 2,000 HP pool of, yeah. of a Star Destroyer. Escape is just such a good... Escape, escape, escape. Yeah. And if you are not afraid about disabling their hyperdrive, which you shouldn't be, canonically they are fickle instruments, wreck that hyperdrive as much as you damn well please and make them escape from a Star Destroyer every now and then. That's Star always Wars, fun. baby. That's always fun. But yeah, I could sit here and read to you Starships of the Galaxy and call this an audiobook and sell it for 30 bucks on Audible or whatever. But definitely, if you haven't already, read the big, scary walls of text in Starships of the Galaxy, whether that's on the Wikia or on a totally, you know, illegal PDF you find somewhere. I don't know anything about that. I mean, otherwise, you're going to spend $200 on a 15-year-old book. <laughs> who would Who would do that? Who would drop... <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds of dollars on a near complete collection of the Saga Edition source books and stare at them on their bookshelf all day long, Sam. I, I don't know anyone who's done that. Certainly not me. No, sir. I love my self and my wallet. You liar, Stephen. You liar. You own almost all the Saga Edition books. If anyone has a good price on Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide, please reach out to the pod. <laughs> DarkTimesSwissy at gmail.com. You can't use our podcast. Just for did. That. Just did. <laughs> Okay, and now on to the next thing. This is actually a good nugget I've wanted to, to bring up on the show for a while now, but I haven't really had a good segue, so thank you, uh, Mr. Inspector Deck. The Order 66 podcast on D20 Radio gave us the encounter design checklist years ago, I think close to 15 years ago. Um, and we talked about that episode four, three? three, four, yeah. I loved it. It's on the, that, that checklist itself is on the Wikia now, and maybe I'll put this one up there too, because a lot of people asked for it last time. But there's also a Starship Encounter Checklist. There's only four points on the Starship Encounter Checklist. Uh, and I, I think I'll add like a fifth or like four and a half one that we'll, we'll, I'll, I just tacked on to the end here. Um, the first one's the most nebulous and probably the one you might struggle with the most. Uh, definitely I do. But a lot of people have written great ideas for stuff like this all the time. And Starships of the Galaxy actually like highlights this one the most, I think. Job for everyone. Obviously, not every character is a pilot, unless you tell your players to make a party full of pilots. Um, you're going to have your noble, that 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 frail little noble that does nothing but persuasion and deception <laughs> checks every encounter and has like a base attack bonus of like plus one and couldn't be damned to lift a weapon towards the enemy at all. Mm -hmm. What the hell are they going to do during a starship encounter? Well, I can tell you one option that came to mind when you said that. What? Ain't another. Eight another. Eight another. You're Such right. a good way, you know, it's not the most intensive way to participate in a start in a starship encounter, but no. it's definitely helpful. You're rolling dice. You're and rolling that's dice. enough for some people. It's yeah. definitely enough for me. Um the starship encounter rules, like like accruing a starship, the various roles you can hold, uh commander comes to mind. You can make relevant roles to aid just about any other action going on to the ship, whether it be an attack role, a mechanics role to repair. Um, the ship systems that might not be rules as written, but I would allow it to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, any sort of idea I can get for a player to participate in a starship encounter where 
maybe they wouldn't be able to easily otherwise. I'm, I'm going to roll with it, and I, I think used, you should too. Um, I use computer roll to reroute power from systems to get your shields back online faster or give aid the engineer who to put shields back online. Exactly. Like um, more than likely your nobles train and use computer. It would be kind of weird if they yeah. weren't, honestly. They, it's on their class skill list, and they get so many skills. I mean, come on. I hope they didn't train and ride. Did they train and ride, dear listener? Did you let that happen? I'm kidding. I can think of at least one adventure where my Bantha mount doesn't fit on the on the on the starship. What the fuck kind of encounter is this? Player builds like a hyper optimized Bantha on back like fighter and is disappointed that no encounters work for them. They ride two dobacks. They stand on two dobacks like next to each other. And what the fuck? Why can't I use my mounts? Oh man, so that's good. one thing I would change about Swiss. Oh, sorry, this is not the mount section of Swissy, but I would I would change it because mounts are kind of okay at best. They, they could be better. I don't really Swissy. know when to use them. They mounts are used in Star Wars all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mostly use them when I wanted to absolutely screw the party over because no one knows or cares about the ride skill. Yeah, and so there there was a couple encounters. I think in Bantha's just like a, just like in the Mandalorian, where he's where he rides a, one of those creatures for the first time. Exactly. Oh yeah, the um oh those are called um garbles. No, no, I don't think that's what they're called. No, they're 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 like old school though. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. Blurgs. The yeah, Blurgs. that's such a good name. I for, love like, them. And they look so random. fucking funny. They do. They're very old sci-fi. I, I dig it big time. That's right, they're in the Clone Wars, too, I forgot. Yeah, they write, they write Blurgs in the Clone Wars. And Blurgs. I believe the Blurgs are what um, the Twi'leks all write on their planet. That's exactly sure. the yeah. screen cap I was looking at. Um, but yeah, a job for everyone. So on the subject of a, of a job for everyone, I, I wanted to, to pull up some old writing I, I did that I think is relevant. Um, I'll just read what I, what I wrote here. I suggest placing things in your encounter that only the systems operator or engineer, the, the crew positions, can handle while the pilot and the gunner are taking out the bad guys. Uh, perhaps an enemy ship is stealthily hiding in some asteroids and must be discovered on the ship's sensors by the systems operator. Maybe a particularly strong hit to your party's hull dislodges an important hyperdrive component, and the engineer must swiftly patch it together for any hope of escape. These are only a couple examples, and obviously, as always, the only limit is your imagination. Um, if this is your first, if this is your party's first space encounter, I doubt anyone's going to be bored. But if you introduce, you know, second, third, fourth encounter and the noble realizes, yeah. oh, shit, I'm not kitted for this. What am I going to do? Definitely start bringing in things that the noble himself has to deal with. Maybe your enemies in space only speak a language that the noble can understand. And his totally. negotiations among blaster fire are, are the thing that ends up saving the day. Or um, maybe if your party isn't fully kitted out to take on starship to starship combat maybe throw them a little bit of a um throw them a ship that can easily board yeah that's absolutely fun. now that you never expect that you expect pirates to board the players ships but you never expect players to board the pirates ships there's lots of great player stories out there i think of uh, little literalist the one he loves telling of uh the pirates boarded his player ships and the players were like, Oh, okay. And then reverse boarded the pirates. <laughs> that's great. Cool. So th I think that's, that's enough words on, on number one. Just make sure there's a job for everyone. What that is pull out of your ass, make it up. Um, yeah. if it, you can't find it in the Starship of the galaxy source book, you can easily imagine something for your, your non combat kitted characters to, to enjoy space combat. Um, number two is the rule of 12. 
This is not the rule of six. This is the rule of 12. Um, keep 12 squares between enemy ships and players. The justification for this? Well, I didn't write it down, but <laughs> I can make a pretty good guess. Weapon ranges in space are pretty goddamn long for the most part. Yeah. They're like in the neighborhood of like, I think it totally, it falls off for most weapons after about 10 squares or so. Mm-hmm. That's when you hit those minus 10 penalties and the, after which, of course, you just, you can't even go there. Um, so, and then there's, you know, if your players have access to a ship with like batteries, they're going to be able to dish out area attacks pretty quickly against those fighters. So, or against those, those enemy ships. So, and the rule of 12 is 12 squares between ships or is that 12, 12? squares between all ships, all between ships. your enemies, between your players. And that makes sense versus the rule of six because there's not really a lot of melee you can do at Starship. There's scale. no melee that's going to be happening. It's going to be pretty much unless you got a ram happy pilot, which that behavior should always be rewarded. But <laughs> <laughs> unless the ship gets disabled from one collision, I don't care. Ramming is ramming. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to to win my heart as a game master, start ramming enemy ships. I will, I will give you whatever you want if you just start ramming enemy like ships. The bumper cars at Coney Island. Exactly. Up here. Fucking Coney Island. <laughs> Never mind. What's but next? yeah, um, and also twelve squares. You know, the base speed of an X-wing is four squares. So. Zooey Mama, that's going to take a lot, I think like a full round action to even get within a decent point blank range of the enemy. And that's yeah. a huge cost. It's a big expenditure. Your your enemies are sitting pretty happy, sitting pretty safe at 12 scores away. So keep that in mind when you're placing your enemies down. Um, otherwise, they may face swift and immediate obliteration if you don't keep them far enough away from your players. Number three is probably the most obvious here and is also heavily emphasized in Starships of the Galaxy. Non-enemy objects. Sam, name a non-enemy object that you might find in space. Uh, asteroid. Asteroid. Got another one? Uh, debris. Debris. Fantastic. I'm a big fan of de- debris, personally. You know, I said Debris in front of, like, my third grade science class once, and everyone laughed at me. Scarred me for the rest of my life. Well, now look at you. Now look at me. I'm saying debris on a, on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Other non-enemy uh, objects in space. Big disabled Mon Calamari cruiser. Oh, that's always good. Yeah, there's a story there. That's some hey, yeah, that's totally. some, some deep lore going on with that one. Um, these, of course, are covered in space hazards. The space hazards are a delightful little smorgasbord of all sorts of things you could throw at your players in space. Um, another one that I happen to like that that isn't may not even be represented on the map, but is still a big concern. Solar wind. Fucking big solar oh, flare okay. pops up from yeah. the nearby star. Guess what that shit does? Large emission of charged particles from a nearby star, probably the result of a solar flare, poses a risk of radiation. And baby, baby mama, baby mama, baby mama, mama baby, it, that shit deals ion damage. That's going to hurt. Yeah, it's not good for your system. 3d8 times 2 ion damage if you aren't prepared for that shit. Owie, owie, zowie, wowie. Any astromechs you have on, on like... They're going to do that R2 scream. Yeah. You know the one. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> That's our R2 scream. I hope that makes it in. No, it's going to make it in. <laughs> you might have to turn it down a little bit. Yeah, it will be turned down. Definitely peak the mic. But yeah, um, look to spaceship hazards. There's, there's like micrometeor showers and stuff like that. Um, the collision rules are really fun. 
speeder traffic. Maybe if your Starship Encounter takes place zooming in and out of a metropolitan oh, yeah. there city. There we go. That's pretty fucking cool. Your Starship Encounters need not take place in space. There's no rule that says they have to. No, not at all. Maybe deep underground caverns are another location I've thought of. You know, get get creative with this. Oh, uh, Space Minefield is one of my favorites. Um, Absolutely. Very, very good stuff. Near a black hole. It's another classic. Oh, yeah. Black hole is one of my favorites. We, you remember that, that hex crawl we did? Yeah. You guys found, oh, there was a, found like three black holes. There man. was a two and a half percent chance of finding a black hole. And you guys did it three times in like that many sessions, I think. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Ended up being important for, yeah, uh, for... for like the end of the campaign, too. Yeah. You guys trapped the, the eclipse near a black hole. And <laughs> man, that's that's a story for another time. So what was next on the encounter checklist, Steven? So there's only four, five-ish, four or five-ish points. So yeah. We're on. Yeah. We're on number four now. Okay. Um, I, what I've written here is attack formations. And this is kind of the broadest topic of, of all these, I think. Maybe, maybe tied to number one. Basically, in Starship Encounters, like, use pack tactics. As cruel as it may feel, your enemy starfighters should, like, gang up on a single enemy. Absolutely. Like, I mean, they that's absolutely just should. That's, that's just straight up, like, how it goes. You yeah. know, that, that's the way that makes most sense in my mind. I don't know. Have you watched Top Gun? I haven't. But I think it would maybe give you a lot of, <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> maybe give you a lot of inspiration for, for Starship That movie's Encounter. less about ships than you know, apparently, Steven. Is it a, it's, like, about, like, homoeroticism, right? No. Oh. Well... It tries not to be. Oh, but, but it is. It's got that. Okay. It's not, there's very little, like, there's no, like, jet versus jet combat in Top Gun. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe if you're still interested in the other stuff, you can still watch Top Gun. <laughs> but otherwise, maybe don't watch Top Gun. Either way, what I'm getting at here Playing is that... the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Between starship maneuvers, fighter groups weapon batteries and just the choices you can make for the decisions that your enemies make as a game master. There's a lot of like room for kind of complex tactical thinking. Absolutely. If you're thinking, Steven, this is starting to sound like a lot like war gaming, buddy. If you take starship encounters far enough, guess what? It is war gaming. And from speaking from experience, pretty damn fun too. Sam, you've been in a couple encounters that I've designed that were war gaming with starships. How did that go for you? Um, they went pretty well. I, I mostly enjoy, as much as I like Starship Encounters, I haven't played players that, I haven't played characters that have been kind of intensive on that stuff. Yeah. But you've done a lot of cool, like, dual phase encounters where, you know, we have a ground team and an air team at the same time, stuff like that. That's always interesting. Yeah. I always feel like. Um, well, especially you, but you, what you're talking about with enemies just ganging up on a single PC, you yeah. see that stuff. It happens... Uh, that happens to Luke in the trench run. It happens in Outfit Squadron. Um, it just exactly a lot. And you know, it, it may Buzz feel... droids attack Anakin Skywalker and run to the Sith. It's a lot of stuff like that. Exactly, and that may feel cruel. And you know, normally in like a your average encounter with stormtroopers, maybe it is. Well, although I don't know, they'd probably go for single target elimination too. I feel like stormtroopers aren't smart enough for that. <laughs> maybe it depends. There's a lot of interpretations over how smart they are. Um, but besides the point. That may feel cruel at first, but what I think it actually is, is like kind of the softball underhand pitch for one of your other players to have that 
heroic moment where like you're maybe player one's like, oh, I can't shake him. And player two is like, got you, red six and fucking flies in like triple corkscrew yeah, fires. Absolutely. I mean, real wedge Antilles moment there. Or, or, or Han Solo returning. Yahoo! <laughs> Let's finish this kid. Like yeah. something like that. It's oh, uh, great shot, kid. That was one of the million. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he does do that, doesn't he? Yeah, he's uh, like, let's blow this thing and go home. Yeah, great shot, kid. Uh, that was one in a million. Oh, uh, gotta get chills. Yeah, I, I gotta watch a new hope soon. I've been feeling it. Yeah, it's Christmas time. It always brings it out of me. Christmas Absolutely. time is like Star Wars time for me. Um, yeah. So I don't. We don't have time to detail everything I said there. Fighter groups, starship maneuvers, things like that. You can find the information about these very easily. And I think once you lay them out on the table, you'll see that there's very interesting and quite intricate interactions between these these game mechanics that make for a very rich and almost i think unique kind of combat in in swissy um basically use these things to your advantage don't make it a ground combat in space because baby if that's what you want to do just do a ground combat it's going to be that's what your players are familiar with yeah more than likely um, there's nothing wrong with leaving your comfort zone by doing a space combat oh please do leave your comfort zone with space combat i promise you you will be rewarded handsomely but I also think that you can very easily kind of bring vehicles into ground combat in a oh, way yeah. that is interesting and engaging for your players. Um, my personal favorite, letting a player drive an ATSD. That's just let them do it. Classic. Chewbacca got to do it. Yeah. Chewbacca <laughs> and two Ewoks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> took out the two guys inside an ATST and piloted it around. Why can't that happen in your campaign? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Amazing. Um, and this is the one that I, I included here at the end of the Starship Encounter checklist. Number f- number five. Slightly smaller maps. Now you're thinking, Steve, space is vast and big. Why do small map? Well, my friend, like I said earlier, the X-Wing's base speed is four squares. Mm-hmm. That's slower than a character on ground with the normal for medium creature being six squares. I think other ships may even start at even lower than four squares of, of speed. Um, so your maps are going to need to be a little bit tighter, a little richer. Um, keep in mind those those point blank ranges on, on most starship weapons are between like zero and one. Yeah. So we're looking at kind of a, a, a almost perhaps ironically tighter space with which to have our combats. And that's great because it's going to generate more dogfighting, more dramatic use of starship maneuvers, a lot of... Uh, capital ships have aura effects. Those are going to be more relevant in a tighter yeah. combat setting. Yeah. Go crazy. Or you can get even wilder with sort of environmental hazards or anything like that in a smaller space. Exactly. Uh, make them harder to avoid. Yeah. Uh, just keep in mind, starship scale is kind of this weird, mm, I'm going to say nebulous again, sliding yeah, yeah, no, scale. It's, starship scale doesn't have a size. It's made very clear in the in the core rule book. Starship scale is what you need for that moment. It's really yeah. not meant to be overthought. Do keep in mind when you see that a star destroyer takes up, I think like two by two or three by three at starship scale. Obviously, that may not be the case if like the point of reference is an X-wing. Yeah, that star destroyer should be massive compared yeah. to an X-wing because it is. It is, I think, a factor of like a hundred or more bigger than an X-wing. So make sure that that's clear on your map. And I think. Th- well, with starships being so nebulous at starship scale like that, mm-hmm. it really plays into why ships only move maybe two, three squares. Exactly. Because, you know, it's it gets kind of those distances can kind of be fudged a little. Yeah. In a way that makes sense. Like, yeah, the star, the star destroyers are far, way far over there, but we're doing our 
our dogfighting over here or something like that. Inspector Deck, that was kind of the starship answer uh, part of your email. And, and you had two others, non-combat and random encounters. And I think it's actually, you know, pretty easy to talk about both of these at the same time, because I think the best random encounter table has a variety of combat and non-combat encounters on it. Um, Sam, I, I'd like to think that you're pretty proficient in running non-combat encounters. Do you have any words to say on the subject? Totally, I think so. Um, non-combat encounter. Well, so I think with encounters, they don't have to be combat off the bat. No. They can start off as non-combat encounters. Think of the Mandalorian again. Mm-hmm. Cobb Vanth and Din Djarin, uh encountering the um, Tusken Raiders. Yeah. And it's tense there. And there's a few, like, you know, a few diplomacy checks going back and forth. But ultimately, they're working together. And I think that's one of those things that, as long as it provides tension, it's an encounter. Also, you said diplomacy checks. That is not a skill in this game. Shit, persuasion. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Because we're we're going to our Pathfinder game after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, you know, persuasion checks back and forth like that. It's an encounter, I feel, is anything that provides tension and but still progresses the story forward or or provides an enjoyable experience for the players. My favorite, I think, non-combat encounter that becomes a combat encounter um in in the movies is when Han and Greedo um are in the <laughs> yeah! cantina in Mos Eisley. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz Greedo's like, "Dude, you fucked up. You dumped spice for you dumped Jabba's spice in front of the imps. Like what the hell is wrong with you?" And Han is definitely attempting some change attitude checks. Like, he's definitely rolling those persuasion rolls. I can see Han's player character being like, okay, shoot him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, isn't there that talent? It might be on the smuggler talent tree where if you fail a deception roll, you can immediately attack. Yes, I believe so. I think that's exactly what happened. Um, It's great seeing those moments kind of play out in Swissy. Well, because we've talked about this a lot on the show, but we just can't help it but see uh, Star Wars moments through the Swissy lens. I I, I feel like every Swissy head, every Swissy fan is is doing the exact same thing. Um, But there's one important kind of often overlooked part of the persuasion skill that is key to a good non-combat encounter. If you fail a persuasion check, you can't make any persuasion checks against the targeted creature for 24 hours. That's for every persuasion check. <laughs> Change attitude, haggle, intimidate, whatever it is, you can't do it. You can only They're do immune, it once every 24 hours. Something like that, yeah. I think it's the same for deception. Unless you have talents that let you make up for it. Because I know there's a talent that where if you fail persuasion, you can try a deception instead. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of talents that modify this this space. But yeah, deception is a similar thing. If you fail a deception check, you can't try another deception check under the same circumstances. Maybe you can, you know, dip behind a corner, put on your gonzo glasses, nose and and mustache disguise (laughs) and and try try again. again. That might work. (laughs) Uh, For DM, my advice for DMs here is when planning out random encounters or non any encounter. Yeah. If you have like a table of random encounters, Mm -hmm. you, you they should all be. Well, most of them, I feel like, should be solvable without combat mm-hmm. if they get lucky. Yeah. Yeah, if someone gets lucky, if they want to bribe two dozen stormtroopers, that's their business and not mine. Did but... you know rules is written, stormtroopers are unbribable in the really? core rule? Yeah, what? it says something because they're, like, they're conditioning, they cannot be seduced or bribed. <laughs> and I'm like, I kind of like stormtroopers as, like, silly fodder. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think it depends on the planet. Very on. much Coruscant depends. Coruscant stormtroopers, no. No way. Those fucking hicks they got in the outer rim. <laughs> yeah. Oh, baby. Like, you know, 
show them 500 credits, you know, world is yours. See, the, so, oh, uh, another non-combat that could be a combat encounter. Obi-Wan and Luke on the land speeder and Tatooine, these are not the droids you're looking for. That's very easily could have gone bad and become a combat encounter. Yeah. And if we did that, that would have been a prequel scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess non-combat encounters, I, I guess, you know, dig from the movies for good examples. They're, they're rife with them. The, you know, it's not fighting for two hours. The Star Wars movies. There's all. an awful lot of talking and diplomacy that goes on, especially like in the prequels and stuff yeah. like that. The party may have to convince a senator to look the other way to their nefarious dealings in the Outer Rim. Maybe they have to convince a Imperial officer to let them pass through a fair gate without an inspection. Something like that. Convince a pirate lord that them interfering with the Imperials in their sector is actually beneficial to business. Yeah, exactly. And make, make there be similar stakes and costs as there would be a combat encounter. Maybe the party loses access to a valuable ally if this non-combat encounter doesn't go well. Maybe they lose access to the black market on this specific planet. You know, there's consequences that aren't going to show up on the character sheet necessarily here, if that makes sense. And to make these feel interesting, um, try to break these non-combat encounters into distinct checks. Um, Throw a used computer check in there to track down a listing for the buyer. You know, you shouldn't have this be a gather information check, a persuasion check, and call it a day. Yeah. Well, something like that, I would probably turn into sort of a skill challenge. Well, yeah. But not, not like... A frigid, not a firm skill challenge. And it I think be, a, a go good non-combat encounter is going to look like a good skill challenge. Yeah. I think those are one and the same, really. Absolutely. And talking about, like, random encounter tables, and mm-hmm. I think those are really just dependent on the location. You could use a lot of urban uh, encounter tables would probably match with different urban worlds. Absolutely. Whereas you're not going to encounter an Exegorth in the middle of Moss Eisley. God, I wish you could. <laughs> <a> random encounter <laughs> table. <laughs> Yeah, it's... or if you or if you do, I mean, I'd love to hear how you would <laughs> please, write that. That'd be really me. interesting. Uh, I know there's a lot of good Stephen. You made a hex crawl guide. For I made Spicy a I made a hex crawl guide. That has a really good random encounter table for like in exploring space. Thank you, I- Inspector Deck. Um, since you alluded to being a 3.5 edition fan, I am going to make a wild guess and say that you've at least heard of hex crawling or that you enjoy hex crawling. For those unaccustomed, hex crawling is a is an old school D and D way of organizing like adventures over vast amounts of land, continents, stuff like that. Um, and they kind of make use of the beautiful random nature of the die to make these encounters kind of sporadic, unpredictable, and and interesting. And usually, game masters organize encounters like these on random encounter tables. Um, you mentioned the space one, so I'll, I'll, I'll touch on my space one first. You can find, if you search hex crawl one word on the Star Wars Saga Edition subreddit, you'll find exactly what I'm talking about here. I'll scroll down to the bottom of this guide because I have a good mix of combat and non-combat encounters in this random encounter table. Number one is a black hole. Yeah. I roll a d20 to figure out what the party's going to encounter. A one would actually need to be confirmed to be a black hole, meaning I have to roll one twice on two separate rolls for there to be a black hole there. Rolling a two means an asteroid field of a 1d10 square radius. A three is a nebula of 1d10 square radius. Skip ahead a little bit here. Number seven is a derelict space transport containing either mingle mingle zombies or 1d10 times a thousand credits worth of valuables. Stuff like that. Uh, Rolling an 11 is a mercantile vessel of random affiliation. Um, 
Num- rolling a 15 or a 16 is micrometeor shower or solar wind. Number Rolling a 14 is a stranded space transport with 2d4 survivors. These are a great way to get started with random encounters. And then to take it to the next level, what I like to do is tie these random encounters to the emotional parts of your characters. That derelict space transport this is my favorite example. That shouldn't just be any space transport. That should be the scoundrels long lost dads space transport the i like um you number 11 was random merchant vessel yeah you can bring in there's so many cool maybe it's a merchant the party thought long dead from a previous chapter of the campaign an old fan favorite or it could be like a faction that the party hasn't encountered yet but it's so foreign and alien to them that it comes with all loads of questions about what that means for the galaxy or what their how their existence kind of interconnects with the rest of the galaxy and stuff like that. What are those? There's um, the mind control, like little f- like fungus bugs. Oh, the the Killix don't the use kill- fungus, the but, but they are they are a hive mind, and the, the they are they killix. love to bring others into that hive mind as well with and their delicious. Nectar. You had a campaign where we met a Killix like ship. And yeah, they were really nice because they are. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like is that sort of hive mind taking away from people's free will it's kind of hard to tell and overall it seemed like they were pretty beneficial to the galaxy yeah they were inviting and cooperative and played a very important role in the unknown regions but also they were brainwashing innocent people <laughs> into the hive mind and you know that's you know two-edged sword yeah <laughs> i i just think it, it's use random encounters to bring concepts to players attention that they may not have encountered on their small and their small backwater part of Corellia. Seriously, like be be don't be afraid to get Star Wars fucking weird. Yeah, get get weird. Random encounters are the perfect time to just get fucking weird. We all know the best moments in Star Wars were formed from new and weird things we hadn't seen before. And Swissy, as we always say, perfect opportunity to do that. I, I meant to mention this as well. Don't be afraid to just throw straight up combat on your random encounter table too. From my my more land based one, I have one d four scout troopers on speeder bikes. That's great. Um, That's so great. 2d4 Nashtas, which is like kind of a, a swamp boogie monster kind of creature. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, oh no, maybe they're like a lizard. I, I think marsh haunts are what I was thinking of. They're on here too. But yeah. Also, combine hazards and combatants for your random encounter table as well. Roll one die to figure out if they come across pirates, swamp gas, or both. Yeah. Uh, or a derelict pirate vessel that has survivors and mingle mingle zombies on exactly it. maybe they're in the middle of trying to desperately survive yeah. from their zombified crew members the party can help them out the party can take advantage of their precarious situation or the party can just fucking leave <laughs> it's, a, it's the beauty of role-playing baby but if they choose to leave they need to have consequences for that exactly there are more mingle mingle zombies in the galaxy now and maybe they learn to pilot a ship they that probably could incre- i think they can do that yeah i'm sure yeah. they can i just think that would be it's just you gotta have random encounters still have to make the world feel alive and lived in the, in the Star Wars galaxy. Indeed. Inspector Deck, I hope that answers your question. If there's anything that you want us to like touch up on yeah, more. Specifically elaborate on more, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd be more than happy to come back to this topic. These, like I said, these, this trio, Starship, Non-Combat, and Random Encounters are, are kind of a favorite corner of mine. So please write in. And if anyone else has more to contribute to the conversation. I'm sure y'all got experience with with random encounters in space that we haven't even touched on. So yeah, please 
Check yep. yeah, check those those Reddit comments or the Discord for all that discussion talk that we love doing. Absolutely. Steven, we're at the part of the show where we stop and say our thanks. We got things to say. Let's hear them. Okay. Sam, number one, um, we got a hundred listens on our first episode like two weeks ago. Yeah, baby! That is amazing. I have um, never been more proud. Our past episodes kind of are continually, very slowly still getting more views, which I think means more people are still getting into the podcast, which is great. Yeah. Those earliest episodes, I don't think are our best work ever, but I'm proud that people are still <laughs> listening to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hope they aren't discouraged with all the crazy little things we said. And Apparently the things- people think our third, our episode three is like one of our best episodes. That's what they were saying. And, um... I'd have to go back. And I'm not to do too it again. sure why. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I remember I had a lot of fun with that episode, so I'm I'm glad it, it was well received. And you know maybe we'll just try to keep doing that over and over again until people <laughs> get sick of us. No need to innovate. Um, uh, yeah, and also recently Spotify announced they're doing reviews on Spotify. Yes, so indeed. If you're interested, or if you find you strong enough feelings about us as a show and as people that you want to review us on Spotify, we'll absolutely shout you out at the end of the episode. I post all the reviews and stuff that we get on the Dark Times Twitter yep. at Dark Times SWSE. Yep. Um, you can also review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whichever one it is. Yes. I think it might be both even. And hey, half our listener base is on Spotify. I know that for a fact. We have access to those numbers. So hey, start pressing buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also shout out to our patrons as well. Yeah. Um, we recently had to upgrade our podcast, like bandwidth because yeah, we have so <laughs> many people like listening to us and we record so many things that the, the podcast hoster was like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta give us more money. So luckily that's still covered by the patrons. I think like mostly, I think we got to put in a few bucks of our own, hey, but, but any, everything helps. And everything helps. Uh, get on there. Like I said, for now it's a tip jar. In January, I'll be dropping my zero distance setting guide up there just as an example of, of the kind of stuff we've been talking about lately on there. And I've and still got my... There's some nice uh, maps on some there. Some maps on there I made. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that Steven will throw his hex crawl guide on the wiki, if not just on the... The hex... I've been actually meaning to, like, republish it, do, like, a hex crawl guide 2.0 or 1.1. Yeah. I, I want to... You want to I want to reformat it in that nice way that I kind of got with the zero distance Hold manual. Well, and... you could probably post the original, un, like the draft version on this Patreon. Exactly. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, I could give it to him early access or type of situation. Yeah. That'd be nice. Um, yeah. Thank, thanks to everyone. Thanks to our patrons. Thanks to our listeners. Um, we love you guys and we love hearing from you. As we always say, this is your podcast as much as it is ours. And um, thanks for everything. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Nice. All right, Stephen. All right, we got um, we got like one and a half builds, or like one and a quarter builds yes. this week. From, um, from dear dear listener, little literalist. This guy, this guy's a champ. Everyone knows this name, little literalist. Whether it be he, on uh, the subreddit or the Discord, exactly. He's always got something to add, and and I respect him because he always has a good story too. He's to always got a good little anecdote to throw in there, and I always respect that. He's he's a well spoken, polite, and intelligent scholar. So so hats off to you, little literalist. Um, you promised us a CT killer. And you like kind of sent one in, but the the problem with the CT killer this this character's name was Carleb Fiber Latte, 
which was a <laughs> very, very I good name. Uh, an that. anagram of Belkar Bitterlead, uh, the halfling rogue from the Order of the Stick webcomic. Do you know anything about Order of the Sticks? No, I have no idea. Super old school webcomic of like, God, it's... Our listener base is aging to dust since you called it old school. <laughs> it started in like 2001 or something. Order of the Stick. Hold on, I gotta see. Order of the Stick. Okay, it p- first published September 29th, 2003, which was over 17 years ago, <laughs> yeah, eight, 18 years ago. So, I guess so, yeah. Like, kids kids born the year this came out are, like, voting now. <laughs> just just ahead. So, yeah, it's it's old school. But, yeah, very uh, very much um, popular RPG webcomic. They go through all sorts of misadventures and exploits. I think it may be the kind of webcomic where it, like, starts silly and, like, gets, like, a crazy, like, deep, like, lore, like, arc going on. I I don't know much about it, but this is not an Order of the Stick podcast. Um, Obviously, Lola Literalist is a fan and was inspired. Um, The CT killer looks cool. He straight up told us to not worry about it too much because it was actually, like, killed by a dev ruling at the time of, of the build's creation. So I don't think we'll highlight that. But he actually did give us the stat block. For another build that I've always been curious about, um, I first got a, a whiff of this build about eight months ago on the Saga Edition subreddit. Um, Dark Lark, who I think was GMing for Little Literalist at the time, um, posted a screenshot of a Roll20 game where he had rolled a crit of an arm, unarmed attack with Vibro Knucklers. Attack roll of 53. And the, Im- <laughs> the yeah yeah no wait till you hear the damage crit damage of two hundred and twenty five which Lil Literalist later clarified was actually two hundred and seventy three damage. Ow. So call him Mister Turbo Laser. Like holy shit! Um, this is a level twenty build, and actually I'll highlight a few things from his email here. This campaign was sounded very interesting, and and I honestly want to hear a little bit more because it sounds specific. Um. Every player in this campaign was allowed to start with a single force tradition and also ignored tradition and dark side prerequisites for classes like Imperial Knight and Sith Lord. So this isn't like legal raw, but I could conceive a campaign in which this happens. I, I don't I can't I don't really know what the story is here, but I really want to know more. Like, It'd be doable for like a dark side uh, campaign probably like or just a crazy public oh, playing as much of Sith yeah, yeah crazy crazy force user bullshit uh, this character's name is let's see here Brudos Gorskull Brudos Gorskull that's a really that you know that sounds like a character that would deck you with 273 points of damage in a single <laughs> attack Absolutely. Um, Lil Literalist did us the the delight of including a, a few highlights here so plus 29 to hit for 5d12 plus 35 damage crits on a 17 18 19 or 20 for three times damage got that lovely triple crit can full attack as a standard action thanks to Terrace Kasai mastery did I already talk about how on the show that we all know Terrace Kasai is from the janky <laughs> shitty PlayStation game. one fighting game lives on in saga edition as like I think Pretty much the best unarmed talent tree among the best. I am a big <laughs> fan of it. I think it offers a lot of straightforward like damage upgrades. He gets a free standard action whenever he crits. That's fortune's favor, baby. We love it. Um, he can also regain his force powers during combat. And as if it needed to be said, here's a highlight. Does tons of damage. 
This is interesting. I'm looking at he has like the actual build. Itself. Yeah, he broke down everything for us um, here. What's cool about this build is it's force sensitive that doesn't go lightsaber. Yeah. Force sensitive melee that does unarmed attacks. Yeah. Force sensitive um <laughs> force sensitive user that just will absolutely deck your shit. There's nothing spiritual about it as far as I can tell. He's just going to turn you inside out. I'm looking at empower weapon for the gloves it's classic is interesting i like that a lot it's very good i bet they glow with like <laughs> vibro knucklers that that glow with the force <laughs> <laughs> oh he's got he's got surrender to the current on here which which is a a pocket pick i think that's like a that's a oh yes the white current adept tree surrender to the current as a swift action you choose to surrender to the white current and allow it to flow around you it sounds kind of milky Allow it to flow around you and fuel your force powers. Until the end of the encounter, you cannot use force powers that do not have you as the sole target. However, once per turn is a swift action, you can recover one spent force power that has the you as the sole target without spending a force point. Adding that force oh. power back to your force Oh, sweet. So, what is he, like Battle Strike or something that, that brings it uh, up? Or dark Rage. Dark Rage. It's definitely because of Dark Rage. Oh, man. Improved oh, yeah, we got Improved Dark, dark rage. rage going on here. That's so great. Um... I'm looking at these ability scores, and this is, speaking of fucking hilarious stat arrays, Sam, do you want to read that out loud for us yeah, at the top looking there? At, well, let's go from bottom up. How's bottom up. Sound? I think that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. Charisma, six. That's eh, minus two to charisma, right? Who needs charisma? <laughs> Wisdom, 14. That's a plus two. Uh, int, 12. It's a plus one. Uh, con, 10. Nothing. Dex, 14 plus two. And strength, 26. <laughs> is that level 20? Yeah. Which... Having strength over 20 is already crazy. It's just ludicrous. Um, uh, I believe it's because of the Masasi uh, species for yeah, this particular build. Plus four bonus. Plus four strength. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm sure he's got all sorts of other goodies. I I'm, I'm assume he's... Yeah, he's upgrading strength every opportunity he has. Yeah, like, yeah every, you have every, to, right? Yeah, Otherwise, no, you, you would definitely have a 16 in something else if yeah, you didn't do that. 100%. It's so funny. 100%. 26 strength. What is the bonus there? It's plus 9 around there? Plus... I think so. I don't really know how to calculate those. Because 20 is plus 5. Yeah. So 21, 22 is plus 6. 23, 24, plus 7. Uh, oh yeah, I got the chart 26. right here. It's plus eight. Yeah, plus eight. Oh man, <laughs> that's wild to me. Oh, that's just bonkers. I would love to know. Again, I, I it, I'm starting to get the sense that not a whole lot of role playing was going on this campaign. It seems maybe it was like kicking ass focused with all the rules regarding force like traditions. The A-team like, of Star Wars. Yeah, he's like he's playing a Masassi. There's all these. They, they stripped all the prereqs for most force stuff. Um, and his charisma is six. So I'm just curious as to like what role playing with this character was like, it, it, Steven, if you've got any sort of input on that, I, I would love um, to know. I'm looking at Sith Lord High Impact. What is Can you tell me what that Let's is? Let's take a look at High Impact. That sounds familiar. Believer Disciple is what it says. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the Believer Disciple talent tree is really cool. I made heavy use of the Believers in a campaign once and it was fun. High Impact is a swift action. Make a DC 15. Use the force check. If your check succeeds. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> What does it say? Double your strength bonus to the next melee damage roll Whoa! you make before the end of your turn. <laughs> I think six. he has hammer blow in here too, which yeah, does something hammer blow similar. Is also on there. What does hammer blow do? Hammer blow, I believe, does the same thing. And I think if you are a generous uh, GM, they stack. Um, That's so funny. <laughs> hammer blow, hammer blow. If oh no no, it's it. <laughs> if you are unarmed and holding no items, you double your strength bonus to unarmed attack rolls. Thanks, Legacy Era campaign guide. You're I always hope, here. I hope to God that they only doubled 
like the bone like they didn't stack the doubling I, like it was just plus eight instead of instead of plus 32 I, <laughs> honestly who knows i would love the, is, the attack bonus was only 29 so probably not so good good yeah good. yeah I, oh man wow 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 it's just such a well again this is what level 20 characters can be and it just goes to show the system being so versatile as it is that you can have a force sensitive unarmed attack user and have it not be like dumb. That's a, that's a good point. Like this and is, have it just straight up not be worse than a lightsaber. Saga edition is you're, you're so right. It builds like these always remind me of why Saga edition is so much fun because just ludicrous bullshit like this is not that hard to achieve. Um, I'll, I'll read a little note, little literalist left at the end of his email here. If someone wanted to implement something like this in their game, I would recommend either dropping the force or the armor aspect of this to make it legal for your game. This build is also hyper-specialized, and dropping the force or armor would allow more branching out into other things. Oh, as a note for the podcast, level 20 build is a lot, so please don't go over every ability. (laughs) I think we covered a good amount of stuff. We got the highlights in. Um, If you guys are curious about the specifics of this build, the nitty-gritty, uh, not too hard to find out for yourself. There's a lot of melee unarmed focused talents and feats out there, but if you must know, reach out to me, Sam, or hell, even little literalist, I'm sure wouldn't mind it. Yeah. The discord to hand over this text file he sent us. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what we got for this week. Yeah. Thank you so much. You guys for listening. As always, you can reach us at dark times, S W S E on Twitter or at dark times, S W S E at gmail.com. Um, I'm Sam that I produce and edit the show. Steven here is my co-host. Steven, you have a quote for us this week? I actually don't. Hold I on. gave you all that time. I know. I, I, I just stare at you and smile. Like, you're like, yeah, 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 <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. There we go. Thank you so much for listening to you guys. And good night. Have a good night. I find your lack of shit and cum disturbing, Admiral. Your clairvoyance with the shit and cum did not give you... <laughs> did not help you find the, le- the rebel base, Lord Vader. Nor did it let you pee-pee-poo-poo all over the floor. <laughs> that... That has to be the, like, little bit at the end, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, wonderful. Yeah.